Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I have never really visualized, and I know we had a great year in 2023. I've never thought of Sonny Gray as an ace, as a number one, as a guy that I wanted pitching against Spencer Strider or Zach Wheeler to start a playoff series. I've never envisioned him as that kind of guy. And I I love the way that the Cardinals have backfilled their rotation. But without a number one, the, the words I used, Greg, were if you're going to spend an extra $50 million and move into a territory financially that you've never been in before. To me, if you're doing things to get back to 500, 81 and 81, spending that much money is a waste of money. They need to do more, in my opinion. All right, I'm going I'm to ask you a question. Don't get upset with me. No, I won't. By asking you this question. Hmm? Did you ever think Adam Wainwright was a number one? Yes. He finished second. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I did. Uh, on, he led the league in wins. He was a 22-game winner. Okay. Uh, yeah, I understand that. Now, that that stat didn't really line up with Sonny Gray this year. Yet he finished second in the in the American League Cy Young Award. Um, I, that stat's kind of old now. The way people look at wins. Mm-hmm. I know Adam Adam is hell bent that wins still matter, and I love hearing pitchers say that. Uh, their stuff is eerily similar, and yet I get it. Matt or Adam Wainwright is much larger than Sonny Gray, but they're breaking ball heavy guys that locate their fastball well. But they spin the baseball. Both guys do. Mm-hmm. Adam Wainwright stopped overpowering teams, really, when he stopped being a closer in 2006 for the St. Louis Cardinals. Never really overpowered people. So this is the same type of pitcher. Does he give the length and in the innings and the bulk when Adam Wainwright was his prime? I don't think so. The Cardinals know that. That's why they backloaded the rotation with guys that can do that. So uh, to me, to me, I think they addressed their glaring issue, which is we cannot get length out of our starting rotation. Not just the overall ERA, 26th in all MLB with the ERA over five. They, they're not getting length. And I think it's part of a new trend we're seeing in Major League Baseball. It might bite Blake Snell a hair. We're looking at teams that are okay with pitch-to-contact starters. They need length. They need, you know, pitch counts that aren't over 100 in the fifth inning. They need guys that can get them into the seventh inning, if possible, because the idea that we can bullpen our way to the playoffs doesn't work. You need your bullpen for the playoffs. You need swing and miss. But front offices are dividing the marathon from the sprint. And I think the Cardinals did that exceptionally well with these three signings. These three can help them get to the trade deadline, where they're in the mix to win the division. And then they'll make trades from there to add the swing and miss into the rotation and in the bullpen to get them over the hump into the playoffs and then maybe a deep run in October. So that, to me, is what this these three signings symbolize for the Cardinals. Greg, tell me if this what I'm going to describe to you is just coincidence or if it's meaningful. This, and by the way, 
Sonny Gray is going to be pitching in St. Louis, where it gets to be 100, 110 degrees during the course of the summer. Adam Wainwright is 6'7 and 230. And Adam Wainwright's career in September, he was 42 and 19 with a 3.67 earned run average. Basically his best month of any season that he pitched. Sonny Gray for the month of September in his career is 13 and 20 with a 4.16. Sonny Gray is 5'10 and 195. Chris Carpenter was great in September. He was able to withstand the rigors of the six-month season. Are you convinced that Sonny Gray can be great when the chips are down in September? Yes, because we're looking at a guy who changed his career this past year. They literally named a new pitch because of him. Mm-hmm. I look a at slider. two starters. Yeah, it's a slider. Gray, yeah, the sweeper, the sweeper, yeah. which is more right to left bend on a breaking ball than just a tight slider. So he literally, uh, because of his ability to spin a ball, which has always been amazing, going back to his days at Vanderbilt, he decided to really play with it. And Adam Wainwright did a great job in the broadcast booth during the postseason walking uh, viewers through when he was working for Turner uh, what the difference is. I think it was Fox, maybe. Walking the difference between what is a sweeper and a slider. And, and it's dramatic when you look at Sonny Gray. He's allowed to literally play with a baseball like it's a wiffle ball. They're doing new things with this guy's ability to spin a ball. So I would look at what he did in 2023 as a new pitcher. I would not look at him the way I would look at him when he was a young phenom for the Oakland A's or when he was struggling with the New York Yankees and he found it again with the Cincinnati Reds. That sweeper was the most dominant pitch in terms of hard contact in the game. And then get the same swing and miss as Blake Snell's curveball. Uh, but, but Sonny Gray threw it over 500 times and not one batter hit a home run off of it. Keeping the ball in the yard is paramount for a starting rotation that gave up a ton of hits last year. This guy's going to keep the ball in the yard. Is he going to go into the seventh inning? He might not. Will he reach 190 innings? Probably not. People are like, oh, that's blasphemy. Oh, my goodness. Could he have an ERA under three? I think he will. Will he give your team a chance to win? Absolutely. So he's not what the rest of the rotation is set out to do. He's trying to get you the wit, the lead after five innings. Don't roll your eyes at that. It's modern baseball. It's just the way it is. And it's hard to find that on the open market. It just is. So I would view the adjustment Sonny Gray and Blake Snell have made in their careers. Blake Snell is just, I'm not going to throw a 3-1 heater right down the middle anymore. I'm going to I'm going to walk you. I'll throw up my nasty breaking ball in the dirt 3-1. And if you want to take your base final start over with the guy in the on-deck circle, I'll strike him out. Those adjustments these two guys have made have made them different pitchers. I view them differently than I would the rest of their careers. So, yeah, I think Sonny Gray is going to be, when you look at it, the end of the year, He'll be competing for an ERA title, and he'll be in the mix for another Cy Young. I think he's that talented with this new sweeper. One last thing. Give me less than 30 seconds here. So you're comfortable with Gray starting game one against a Strider or a Wheeler? Yeah. Okay. No, I am. Okay. Only if the Cardinals, only if the Cardinals uh, really bolster their bullpen. And once you get into the playoffs, you need more swing and miss behind Sonny Gray. Well, Greg, I, I enjoyed watching Sonny and his days at Vandy, but I wanted to ask you about, do you think that the Cardinals are done when it comes to adding to the starting rotation, which I know sounds a little bit weird because it seems like it could be complete, but you could also go out and make some moves via trade. Do you think that's still an option for the Cardinals here, or do you see them just addressing the bullpen from here on out? I, I, I think it's a great question. I think the, the trades will happen around the deadline. I think this is a team that's going to try to – they've got a small window to strike based on the stars that are in their lineup that they're paying a lot of money. 
and you know they want to make Nolan Arenado happy. Like, hey, you know, this is not a seventy-one win team. This is not what we do each and every year. We're going for it. We're all in. I think they're saving the trades for the deadline, and they're going to try to be in the mix to win the division, which I think they will be. I think they're going to sign one more starter who could be a hybrid guy. So think Sean Manaya, think Alex Wood, think somebody that you can sign, get into spring training. If all things work out, you got a long man in the bullpen, okay? <laughs> Everyone's healthy that you've already signed. They're going to need to add length because I mean, we love the young left-handers the Cardinals already have in the organization. But to assume five starters all in their 30s are going to hold up and be healthy all the way from opening day to the end of the year, it's just not, it's not realistic. So I think there will be another free agent signing, another one-year deal. Uh, and I, I don't think that Dylan sees things in play anymore. I don't think Corbin Burns was ever in options. So the big trades for the Cardinals, I don't think are going to happen this offseason. Greg, are you having any concern? Obviously, Sonny Gray, they got a couple other signings. Miles Michaelis, Lance Lynn, and Kyle Gibson are all in the top five in earned runs and hits allowed last season. Does that concern you in any in any way? You know, it's weird because uh, there are a lot of Hall of Famers that, that you know, led baseball in walks. I think Nolan Ryan gave them most walks, uh, hits. I mean, Burt Blylevin gave up a hell of a lot of hits. Don Sutton gave them a ton of hits. You almost have to be kind of good to lead the league and giving up hits. You have to be out there for a while. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you're not going to lead the league and hits loud when you only pitch two in the third. So I, they've got a different leash. There's trust there. And we had a great conversation last night on MLB Tonight about Blake Snell and his evolution where, like I said before, he's not going to give it on a 3-1. And I did a, a list of the most effectively wild seasons in baseball history. The guy who led the league in walks. Here we want to Cy Young with a two two five ERA. Al Leiter was on the air with me, had a great year in '96 where he led the league in walks, but finished with 16 wins and a terrific ERA. And he had the same kind of approach, but he was also 30 years old. And Blake Snell made this adjustments is this adjustment around the same age. And to me, you have to have dirt in your spikes to do that. You know, uh, Matthew Libertor is on a strict pitch count, and they don't want him nibbling. They even though I think he could have the same. Blake Snell approach, which is obviously getting a guy in the on deck circle, but these young pitchers aren't allowed to do that. They have to give in. They have to get back into the count. And to me, I I, I, I look I look at pitching differently. And the front office of the Cardinals, they know they're not a top five budget market team. The Yamamoto thing, those waters are too deep. So they had to go with a different approach. Weak contact. And let's get as much length out of our rotation as possible because no matter what we do to this bullpen, it's going to be on fumes by the time we get to September. So they've got a bunch of 30-plus-year-old starters who they trust, right, to do whatever they need to do to stay longer in the game. And I think it's a new approach. Other teams are taking it to have a bunch of starters out there and have openers and to think you're going to bullpen your way through. That was a bad idea from jump street. And I sat on a plane next to Brian Kenny and I aired him out over it. <laughs> I, had, I aired him out over bullpen and Jason Hayward. And I think Jason Hayward still owes Brian Kenny about $75 million. <laughs> hey, I'm not kidding. Greg, you had an interesting conversation about analytics last night, about analytics being used as a tool or basically being what your franchise is about. And, 
It's interesting, and, and you talk to your work with former players. A hundred percent, a hundred percent of the old school players are non-analytically inclined. And you mentioned Nelson Cruz last night going to the Dodgers to be a special assistant. Who are the franchises that are completely driven by analytics? Oh man, too many, too many, and it's probably something I don't want to blast organizations for their approach. I'm not going to name them specifically, but. It is a um, it, it's, it's unfortunate how at times we have such a copycat league. Um, it, it to me, and, and I, I've always believed this: the great front office GMs are either former players who understand the humanity of what the sport actually entails, or very curious and comfortable in their own skin general managers. Well, who am I talking about? Theo Epstein. Theo Epstein was one of the guys. He was in the clubhouse every game, every home game, and he partied with players. He, I'm not saying he had to go out and party with players, but he knew them on a first-name basis and knew their families, hung out with them. They loved Theo. There's that one player that played for Theo that didn't love him, okay? He understood the humanity. He asked baseball players questions about being baseball players. What's it like? Well, the spin rate says this guy's slider should be unhittable, but you had two hits. Does it look that how would you compare a slider? Like he's curious because he's not out there doing it. So to, to take an approach where you're never going to ask baseball players or former baseball players what it's like to actually be in the moment, uh, it's a recipe for failure, man. If you don't understand that these aren't robots out there and they're human beings and you're not curious to know and you think that the spreadsheet's got all the answers and, you know, anytime you're, you're, you're in a bind, grab an iPad. You're, these front office executives are operating like my, my son was when he was seven and he was in trouble at dinner. Like, you give him the iPad and he's going to sit there quietly <laughs> and, and watch some Nickelodeon. Like, it's, it's, to me, it's not the approach to winning a game. And, and we've got front offices. I'll just leave it at this in terms of how, how haywire things have gone. There are front offices that have a, a whiteboard after games, and these are minor league teams that are doing this, where they are ranking the five best hitters in the game tonight. And it has nothing to do with hits or even home runs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all exit velocity. So they rank the five guys that hit the ball the hardest tonight. They might all gone over four and we might have lost the game 15 to two, but they are celebrating the five best hitters in the lineup tonight. Not the guy that went four for four with two doinks over the third baseline and a ground ball up the middle and a bunt knock that scored a run. It has nothing to do with winning a game. It's next-level stats that really aren't helping you win anything. And that, to me, is a disconnect that's got to be flushed down the toilet. You need people in the front office that understand the game and know how to play it. It's a game. Try to win. Greg, I heard a, a story last year at the major league level where there was a team that lost the game, and after the game, the manager said um, that other team would much rather have our at-bats than their at-bats. <laughs> uh, uh, it's exactly what you're talking about. Hey, you're headed to Nashville. The show MLB Tonight going to be emanating from the, the winter meetings. Last thing, where does Shohei Otani land? When you announced Shohei Otani has signed X, who is he signing with? I uh, signed up the Los Angeles Dodgers. This thing has been set in stone for the last three years. So I, I, I like the idea of the Red Sox. 
because of the connection to the New Balance headquarters. He's just now the face of New Balance, but I think he'll be wearing Badger blue. I really, I had so much so that when he won the MVP, I hosted that show and he had a new dog and his handler said we weren't allowed to ask him what the name of the dog is. And I, I really believe it's because the dog's name is blue. I think he, I think it's all connected to the Dodgers. So that's where I think he's going. I think he's going to be a Dodger. Greg, fun fact. We are, you've been in our studio. Right below us is New Balance. And right there on the front, New Balance has a sign that says locally owned, nationally known. New Balance is owned by Brown Shoe right here in St. Louis. Well, and it's now, uh, what's, uh, what's the name? It's not Brown Shoe anymore, I don't think. But it's, New Balance is owned right here in St. Louis. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've been told that they have a headquarters. Um, their main headquarters are in Boston. Yeah, that's exactly that's right. Yeah, but they're, they're okay. owned here. Oh, so maybe that's why they went a little mm. light with Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson. There you go, yeah. brother. There you <laughs> go. Daylock is listening right now, punching his dashboard right now. <laughs> over. Yeah, he's probably not listening Fingers today. Crossed. Fingers crossed we get a little show hey play in St. Louis. Yeah, fingers crossed. Hey, we'll be watching all the time, and especially because you guys will have every move first next week on MLB Network. Can't wait for that. Thanks always for the time. Good to talk to you, brother. All right. Take care, guys.